We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome in, everybody, to the CFP Nation All-America Podcast. My name is Bill Trochi, Senior Editor at SportingNews.com, alongside our lead college football writer, Bill Bender, at SportingNews.com. And once again, Bill, we are welcoming in a special guest this week, as we have uh, the countdown has now reached 28 weeks until week zero. Uh, <laughs> welcoming in Steve Sipple, the columnist for the Husker Online on the On3 Network. One of the uh, the best information centers for Nebraska football. Uh, Steve has covered Nebraska football for more than a quarter century. Steve, thanks for making some time for us today. Glad to do it. It's glad to see both of you guys. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, no I'm problem. Good. Bill uh, Bill Bender suggested you as our first guest. I'll turn it over to him. Yeah, Steve's a great friend. You know, I've had a, the chance to get to know him through the Big Ten years. Um, on his radio show every once in a while. He does a great job. He's, to me, the best source for Nebraska football. So we're that's who I go to when I need something. So, Steve, I'm just going to cut right to it. I, I read your column about Matt Rule and Tom Osborne, and I, I know you know this as anybody that's been around the program. How does Matt Rule advance the program – while paying homage to that past that we always talk about from Tom Osborne, that impossible standard that you were covering in the 1990s. So far, so good, right? We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, I just think he, it's a matter of being genuine. And guys, 
Matt rules 48 years old. So he understands what Osborne did here. He, I mean, he's not, you know, he's still pretty young, but he does remember that era, you know, the mid Osborne won his first national title in 1994, then won subsequent national titles in 1995 and 1997. So there's a reverence that's very genuine um, that, that you can, that rule has, you can hear it. I mean, it's not phony at all. And I don't, I don't, Hey Bill, right now, I don't know. He's rules two months on the job. I mean, he's got to advance the program. You're right. I just don't right now. I don't know how much he worries about that. I think it's just been, it's just been sort of spontaneous. His interactions with Osborne, they met at an outland dinner in Omaha, sat together, talked for an hour and rules genuinely captivated. So I think it's been pretty spontaneous um, so far. So I was looking at, uh, you know, Matt rules um, resume. And uh, of course Mm -hmm. he's got a reputation for being a, a a big turnaround guy, especially at the college level. Um, But it was interesting to me. I looked, it doesn't happen right away. Uh, Year one at temple, uh, he took over a team that was four and seven. They actually went two and 10 his first year uh, before the big turnaround year one at Baylor took over a team that was seven and six and they actually went one and 11 in year one. Uh, and then of course, you know, got him to the sugar bowl a few years later, had a great turnaround year one with the Panthers took over a team that was five and 11. They stayed at five and 11 in year one. Um, so he's got the track record for the turnarounds. Uh, but not necessarily right out of the gate. The Nebraska fan's going to be patient. <laughs> what do you think? Um, <laughs> I, you know, I'll tell you what, Bill, you, you hit a hot button topic here. That topic's a hot button one. I have said that there's really, I don't believe there's any reason they have to get off to that sort of two and <clears throat> 10 and three and nine type start with the returning talent. Now it's hot button though. When you say that people automatically think, Oh, there's simple applying pressure to the head coach. No, it's, it's not that at all. Or there's simple kind of <laughs> defending, defending Scott Frost and what he left. No, not that. I mean, that's people, there's a genuine disdain for Frost around here right now. Um, it's not that at all. All it is is a respect for the returning talent. They have 10 guys returning on defense that start that have started actually 11 who have started games. There's one who started one. The rest have started multiple 10, 10 guys back on defense who have started multiple games. It wasn't a bad defense. Um, not for the final eight games. It was, it was an okay defense, not great, but okay. They have a starting quarterback back. They have, they have a starting running back back. They have six offensive linemen with starting experience back. It's not a team that you look at and say, oh, God, it's a debacle. Now, some people will try to sell it to you that way. I just don't buy it. So, I mean, they count, they, the last game of the year was a win at Iowa, which Iowa was playing for the division title, and Nebraska beat them on their home field. I mean, it's – so, yeah, it, hey, Bill, believe me, you'll get reaction on that, on that question. Yeah, hey, Steve, uh, you know, obviously you and I have talked about this, and and since Nebraska has come in to the Big Ten and establishing the identity, and I was just curious, we've talked about this a little bit, how much do Nebraska or how much do you measure this program up against Ohio State and Michigan versus 
Wisconsin and Iowa. What should Nebraska strive to be? Or even I could extend that to the new Big Ten when UCLA and USC come in. Where does Nebraska fit in as a program with Matt Rule among all those programs? Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of confusion about that. I mean, there's the thing that makes sense. The scenario that makes sense, I think, to Nebraska fans is, all right, win the West division first and then worry about the big boys. I have always said you always have to keep Ohio State. If you're Nebraska, if you're Nebraska, you always have to keep Ohio State in your sights. That's what you're ultimately chasing. And Michigan. I mean, you have to say Michigan now. So I've always said that. And again, another hot button topic around here. Other people say, no, it's got to be a step by step. You got to you got to you got to win your division first and then worry about that. I just think that's I don't know. Uh, you're settling a little bit there. I mean, what do you want to be? You want to you want to win the Big Ten. It's not about winning the West. It's about you know. I, I never call it a division title. You, you, you win first place in your division. It's not a. It's not. You don't get. A, you don't get anything for it. You want to win. You want to win a. You win a. You want to win a Big Ten title. So uh, right. it depends who you ask, Billy. Well, when you went to Columbus, mm-hmm. was it eye opening for you? among being around that fan base and that expectation and that organization around that program, is that something Nebraska can strive to be? Do you think they can get in that zip code with Ohio state and Michigan? Yeah, it's I'm old now. I'm 56. And it was an eye opening for me to go to Ohio state. No, it wasn't eye opening. I've seen it at Nebraska. I mean, Nebraska, I covered Nebraska when they were winning national titles. It looked like Ohio state talent talent was probably, maybe in some cases better than Ohio State's been. Um, think about it. I mean, think about it. The, the team that beat Florida in the Fiesta Bowl uh, with Tommy Frazier and Lawrence Phillips had 18 guys on defense that played in the NFL. I mean, 18 <laughs> in one year. I mean, it was – no, I've seen it, Bill. Um, but Nebraska's now a long way away, long way. And the, what people wonder around here is if they could ever get back to that. It, I think they can, but I don't know. It's, a lot's going to have to fall into place. You uh, talked about two hot-button topics. How about a third hot-button topic, potentially quarterback? Yeah, you've hit him, Bill. My Jeff God, Sims yeah. coming in from Georgia Tech. Yeah. I've, uh, uh, I'm here in Atlanta. I went to a few uh, Jeff Collins practices this year. went to a couple games. I, I like him. I didn't think he had a lot of, a lot of help. Uh, had Jameer Gibbs stuck around one more year at Georgia Tech, that certainly would have helped Jeff and that offense in general. He did not have a great offensive line here, um, but it seems like Matt Rule really likes him. Casey Thompson, of course, coming back. You mentioned as a returning starter. I think he's 24 years old at this point. Um, that that could be a hot-button topic in the spring, yes? Oh, God. Yeah, you guys have done your research, which I really appreciate. Yes, Definitely a hot button topic. Um, Casey Thompson was the starter last year, started 10 games. He wasn't, he wasn't the problem when he went out. It was, it was a bit, I don't know if you saw the Michigan game when, when it was, they just didn't have anything behind him. Casey hung in there, played well, but there's a big problem. Casey had shoulder surgery recently and won't be available in the spring. Okay. Um, which means Jeff Sims to whom you alluded can get a big leg up. Now, this is none of this is a surprise to Casey. I've talked to his dad, Charles, who was a great option quarterback at Oklahoma. And they knew they knew Nebraska was going into the portal. And their 
posture is bring it on. Um, but he's going to have to wait. So the, so their plan is for Casey to rehab the shoulder, get better in the spring. He might be able to throw a little bit, probably won't practice. But then, you know, in May and June, it, then he, he, he'll he hope to find some rhythm. And you know how it is now. June doesn't really shut down in programs. There's It's not like – you know, there's not coaching per se, but they, there's organized activities with the players. Casey hopes to get some momentum there, take that June and July momentum into preseason camp, and then then take back that job. I, I've I've been on I've been that voice that says you can't. Casey did too much for this program just to elevate a kid from Georgia Tech ahead of him. But Bill, people are doing that here. And, uh, you know, there's a relationship, I guess, between Jeff Collins and Matt Rule, right? And yeah, so I think yeah. Rule knows what he's getting uh, more so than maybe just a, a, a little bit more of an unknown transfer or whatever. Um, so that, that could help Sims. Oh, yeah. I mean, listen, it's been interesting, guys. When you listen to Matt Rule talk, he's very effusive in his praise of Sims, not so much Casey. Now, it might just be familiarity, you know. He is very familiar with Sims. He, he regards him as a potential NFL quarterback. Sims is very provocative because he's six foot four, 220, can run, um, has a good arm. Actually, you've seen it. You've seen it, Bill. He throws it downfield well. So I get it. It's a very, he's a very provocative quarterback because of his size, speed, and arm. Well, uh, so here's a good one for you. Which game would register more if Matt Rule won it in September. They go to Colorado versus Coach mm-hmm. Prime, and that guy's getting a little bit of attention, Steve, down there in Boulder, an <laughs> yeah, old Nebraska. Which one would register more in Lincoln if they beat Colorado or if Michigan rolls in there on September 30th, and I'm assuming that one will be in prime time somehow, and Nebraska wins that one? Michigan. I'd say by a long way. I mean, the Colorado game – I get what you're saying because if you ever watch, if you ever like, if you saw a few years ago when Nebraska went to Colorado, mm-hmm. it was an ungodly scene. I mean, Nebraska, 70 percent of the stadium was red. That is a that was a hot Big Twelve rivalry. People love going there from here. I love I love going back to Boulder. It brings all kinds of memories back. Um, but man, come on now, Michigan, Michigan just in the playoff again. Michigan two. I mean. Back-to-back Big Ten titles, helmets, tradition. I mean, Nebraska, when it got in the league, they envisioned games like that, winning games like that. And that and, and that that sort of win, you know, elevating the program. So Colorado, come on, what, what was their record last year? They'd lose 11, I think. Um, Michigan, no, hey, Billy, Michigan yeah. by a long shot. Long well, shot. Just, and, and you just mentioned it, where – so you remember when you were a kid and you got that question about where you're going to be in five years or your first job interview. And they said, where do you see yourself in five years? So I'm going to ask you that as part, where do you see Nebraska in five years? This you and I've talked about their identity in the big 10 and how it's different from the big 12. And there's probably a cross section of Nebraska fans that still wish they were playing Texas and Oklahoma every year. Where do you see this team in the big, in the new big 10 in the next five years? Can they take advantage of being kind of, the geographical center, so to speak, of the conference. You gotta kill me, Bill. But I'm sorry. No, you're gonna kill me. I can't do that. I can't. I'm not gonna do this thing where, right. we, and we've done this a lot around here. 
where a new coach comes in and we, and mm-hmm. you know, the fan base and the media, we start making wild proclamations. Um, you know, we did it. We certainly did it with Frost. Uh-uh. I, it's too early. He's mm-hmm. Matt Rule. Billy Matt, Matt Rule has been here for two months. Right. I I don't know where he's taking this thing. It's well, hard. What a, well, what about the program? Do you think with USC and UCLA in the conference is that an advantage for Nebraska in terms of maybe they can try to recruit and push West a little more and get yeah. some kids from California? How does that help the? Do you think that helps more than it hurts? Maybe kicking off some rivalries with those two. I think it could help rules rules concentrating on Texas more than Nebraska has in a long time. Now he's going to go to the state of Texas, Nebraska, when it was rolling, you know, when we alluded to the Osborne years, they went to California a lot and got players. That was a California was a hotbed for Nebraska. So yeah, they, they could benefit from that. But what I think Bill, it's more about now I've been staunch on this. Nebraska has everything in, place they have a very high level nil operation okay they can pay i mean they're 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 well healed well organized they also have um, a new athletic training facility a football training facility basically right next to the stadium it's 160 million dollars it'll be top five in the nation now that what kind of weight does that carry anymore not sure but it can't hurt and it isn't gonna hurt uh, i mean you it's it's going to be top of the line. So you combine you combine NIL with that amazing training facility and the fact Nebraska still sells out the stadium. I mean, still still the it's a fervent fan base. It's a very hungry fan base. There's no reason Nebraska can't get back to being an upper echelon Big Ten team and and then of course being a top ten team. I, it, it should happen, but what we've learned here is it's not going to happen if you don't have the right people. And now, now Matt Rule has brought in 39 new players, 28 incoming freshmen, junior colleges, and 11 out of the portal, and 39 staff members, all new people. So, I mean, not, not all new people, but a lot of new people. And what's is that going to work? I don't know. We'll see. I'm, I'm, I think the early indications, people are pretty, pretty excited, but it's again, two months. Yeah. Two so months. yeah, I was going to talk to you about recruiting and this, this new group. I mean, uh, he was hired on November 27th. Uh, and usually the first class is a transitional class. Not very good. You don't have time to get these guys in Nebraska finished 24th, uh, according to two, four, seven, uh, which is excellent. It's up from 41 the year before under Scott Frost, who had been there for a while. I mean, he was obviously on the hot seat, so I'm sure that's what knocked them down. Uh, that cycle, Frost was 20th the year before. Uh, but were you surprised that Rule was able to get this transition class pretty solid pretty quickly? Yeah, I'd say I was surprised, more impressed by the operation. Um, Rule is a grinder. We've had coaches here that aren't. Um, I mean, Grinder has different connotations, but he's a he's a nonstop worker and he demands a lot of his young staff. He's got a young staff and they're they're everywhere. Very aggressive, very aggressive. So, yeah, I guess I was a little surprised. And, and, I, and I think Nebraska fans, guys, I think it's always with a lot of the fans now, it's pretty halting optimism, but there's optimism and. It's a pretty good class. And I, I look at more of the portal. 
Um, they went and they went and got some pretty good players in the transfer portal. Um, that guys that got to help that need they needed help. They got it at some spots. But where I wonder about still, they didn't go out and get the big boys. They, you know, they didn't, they still need help up front on defense. They still need at least one more defensive lineman, if not two, and they could use another offensive lineman or two. And, you know, the portal's going to open again in mid-April. I don't know. I, there's Everybody's looking for those guys. Can Nebraska get them? I don't know. All right, Steve. Uh, Bill, you got anything else? We yeah, I was going to leave a – who is your favorite reporter to see at Big Ten Media Day every year? Bill Bender. That, yeah, that's yeah. – well, He's the sure. most colorful for sure. <laughs> the language can be colorful, which I appreciate. Give <laughs> <laughs> me a trouble. You know, you're fine. We're sports writers. Um, you're very professional yeah. and friendly and well, knowledgeable. Well, so, Steve, I, I appreciate you coming on. I, like I said, one of my – good friends in the business love coming on your radio show with uh, Jake and hopefully we do that soon. And you know what, we'll, we'll be back in Indy before you know it. So thanks so much for your time and uh, make for our listeners, make sure you read this guy. If you want to know anything about Nebraska, he's the best. Thank you, Bill. I appreciate it. Both of you guys. It's nice to come on with you. We'll do it again. I'll, I'll tell Jake. Hi, Billy. I, I will. Thanks so much. All right. See you later. Thank you. All right. Well, that was good. That was good guest. Um, good idea, Bill. Caught up on Nebraska. Definitely going to be a fascinating team uh, next next fall. They're, they've always been fascinating under Frost and all those close losses and how they just never reached the expectations everybody thought Frost would, would fulfill for them. But uh, it's going to be a fun team to watch next fall. Well, the, the reason, reason I appreciate Sip so much, I always tell this story about him. He doesn't, as you see with his answering our questions he doesn't waste time with coaches either he goes right at him I remember one of my first experiences I was up at Big Ten Media Day and remember when Ohio State had Cardale and Braxton in this race and everybody was kind of dancing around Urban with the questions and Sip went right at him and it's like all right what's what's going to be the thing that who's the starter going to be you know and and he's like what are you going to measure and he didn't waste any time so great reporter good dude and you know, one of the best, like I said, when it covers Nebraska, but not the only program with things going on right now. No, no. Let's uh, let's go down to Alabama, uh, where Nick Saban has filled both of his coordinator spots as vacant uh, offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator. He went with uh, Tommy Reese, as uh, people will know at this point. Tommy Reese leaves Notre Dame after uh, three years as offensive coordinator. He is 30 years old. Uh, and then defensive coordinator, he went with Kevin Steele, who returns for his third stint uh, with Nick Saban in Alabama. He's also been defensive coordinator at LSU, Clemson, and Auburn. He's 64 years old. So uh, we got a little new school and a little old school for Nick Saban's choices. What stands out to you there? Well, Kevin Steele, I mean, I guess I, I would have to fill out the bingo card to see how many SEC schools he's been at. I mean, it's probably he's probably got a shirt for every – team almost um and that's somebody he obviously can trust the resume the you know I know Grantham's name Alabama fans weren't real excited about that I think Kevin Steele's more of a ultimate safe pick because Saban can get his fingerprints on that defense the Tommy Reeseman and I'm going to defer to you a little bit because you obviously follow Notre Dame very closely um surprised you know when you made that list of guys that we're going to go. I, he didn't even cross my mind, mainly because when Marcus Freeman decided to stay at Notre Dame, 
about 10 minutes later, there was a video of Tommy Reese saying he's staying. So, I mean, that was one of the more surprise hires, but I, I'm not saying it's good or bad one way or the other. Yeah, it was interesting. He passed up on a lot of money to go with Brian Kelly to, to LSU last year. And, you know, presumably the, the talent that LSU brings in traditionally is better than the talent that Notre Dame's been bringing in. Uh, but he decided to stay for one more year. Maybe he wanted to get out of Brian Kelly's shadow a little bit and stretch his legs. Um, his season was uh, handicapped a little bit by losing his starting quarterback in week two. Uh, Tyler Buckner had to go with Drew Pine. Um, there was mixed reviews. You know, some games that they uh, look like they schemed things up pretty well. Some games not so much. Uh, they underperformed against Cal. They underperformed against Stanford. They underperformed against Marshall. By the end of the year, uh, they sort of hit their stride. And then in the course of the bowl game, Drew Pine had transferred. And then now all of a sudden he was back to Tyler Buckner, who hadn't played in months. And Buckner came up with five touchdowns and, and Notre Dame won that game. So, um, you know, Nick Saban uh, talked to a few people. I don't think Reese was his first choice. Uh, but it's his final choice. And, uh, you know, obviously he's going to get a raise. He's going to get, uh, you know, better Jimmy J Jimmy's and Joe's than he has at Notre Dame and an opportunity to, uh, you know, if he does excel, then the next step is, you know, potential spot in the NFL, potential head coaching spot. He's only 30 years old. So tough to leave your alma mater. Sure. But um, not many people are going to turn that spot down at Alabama. Well, yeah, you're getting handed the keys to the Porsche um, with the quarterback, the talent around it. I think Tommy Rees, you're going to – I actually think the work he did with Drew Pine was outstanding this year because we had talked about it during the season. When he was efficient, over 60%, Notre Dame was in good shape. There was a couple rough games, obviously, but, you know, it was, it was what it was. And then Bookner in the bull game, obviously, there was good and bad. But at Alabama, I mean, the, the, the standard is different. If Tommy Rees is successful there, he'll be either a head coach or an NFL coordinator within two to three years. And that puts you on the fast track to do it. I mean, and in, in this case, it's not a renovation, which Saban is so famous for with Sark and Bill O'Brien and Lane. This time it's a promotion of sorts. Um, who would have ever thought that going to Alabama as the offensive coordinator is a promotion from Notre Dame? But in some ways it is because of where those two programs are right now. Yeah, no question. Which brings me to some Trochi trivia, Bill. Mm -hmm. Trochi trivia. It's going to center around Tommy Reese, who played for four years at Notre Dame, started as a sophomore, started as a senior, lost the job as a junior, was a backup as a junior. Who was Notre Dame's quarterback when – Tommy Reese was the backup his junior year in 2012. I'll give you the year, 2012. We will answer that question at the end of the podcast. So that is our Trochi trivia this week. Who did Tommy Reese back up between his years as a starter at Notre Dame? Um, so where does this leave Notre Dame? You know, when it comes to uh, whoever comes in, this is an attractive job, right? They've got Sam Hartman from Wake Forest. He's got an experienced quarterback who is trying to use his final year of college to get more prepared for the NFL draft. And, you know, it's away from that slow mesh offense that Wake Forest runs. No NFL team really runs that. I think part of the allure of Notre Dame was going to what he thought would be a pro-style uh, that Tommy Reese would use. 
Um, so I'm guessing whoever they bring in is going to, uh, you know, try to have a pro style attack. I've seen, um, you know, Akron coach Joe Moorhead as an intriguing option. He uh, was, of course, head coach at Mississippi State for a couple of years. Um, not a good fit in the SEC. He did fine, but it just wasn't a good fit. He's worked for James Franklin. He's worked for Mario Cristobal right now. He is the head coach at Akron. Um, and another name that uh, you might be able to uh, shed some light on, Josh Gaddis, right? Mm-hmm. Royals award winner at Michigan, uh, left for a, the same job at Miami after winning uh, the Broyles Award as the top assistant coach in the country uh, and then had a disastrous year at Miami, was fired after one year. So he went from the top of the mountain to the bottom of the mountain in one year. He's obviously available, got some Midwest background. Um, do, what do you think of those names and uh, where where Notre Dame might look? Yeah, Gaddis is interesting. A um, little bit of the shine off of him this year and how things ended at Michigan because it wasn't exactly um, – mutual you know there was some things said uh, after Gaddis left both ways and then same with Alabama but he does have a very good background with successful programs his last year at Michigan was amazing um very good at working guys speed and space that type of offense that became a catchphrase in Ann Arbor when he was there um you know just kind of peeking through some things Byron Leftwich is another name coming up and that would be very interesting to me because that would mean Leftwich Sometimes it's hard. I do think Notre Dame is the type of program that you can pull a guy down from the NFL and he can have success there because the way their offense works with the tight ends, with the way that they want to run the football. I don't, I guess the big question is, are you going to make your next hire based on the offense you want to run for the next five years? Just like that question I asked Sip. That's like the worst interview question in the world, by the way. And, or... (laughs) are you hiring a guy for Sam Hartman? And you mentioned that mesh offense and the numbers that he was able to put. They, they're they really good at throwing the ball down the field with guys like A.T. Perry. Um, but I think it's going to be the first option. I don't know that they're going to hire somebody specifically for Sam Hartman, nor should you. Yeah, that's going to be a really interesting one to watch. Uh, I don't expect it to drag out too, too long. Uh, they did hire Al Golden as their defensive coordinator last year after – the Super Bowl, uh, and that took a while. But, um, of course, Marcus Freeman is a former defensive coordinator. He's going to have his footprints uh, uh, all over that, fingerprints, I mean, all over that uh, side of the ball. Offense is a little bit different. So we'll see where that goes uh, for Notre Dame. It should be interesting. Um, one last thing before we go for this week, I wanted to uh, go over a story we had on SportingNews.com last week. Uh, it was uh, about the uh, top 10 quarterbacks who passed on the NFL draft. Of course, Sam Hartman's one of them. Uh, that There's a lot of uh, returning talent at quarterback across the country. And uh, we ranked them. You and I talked about who was where and things like that. Um, and uh, we both settled that number one, we thought, was Michael Penix uh, at Washington. Yeah, for sure. I mean, and then you got three Pac-12 quarterbacks on this list. But he definitely is somebody that – Definitely going to, you know, be in the Heisman conversation coming off 11 win season. Got tapped back into the playmaking skills that he had at Indiana. He's a great choice at number one. And he's got two, his top two receivers back, uh, both a thousand yard receivers, uh, Roma Dunze and Jalen McMillan, which is is huge for them. Uh, he led, or Washington as an offense, led the nation 370 yards passing per game. 
uh, and they've got their quarterback and their top two receivers back. So look for big things uh, out of Washington. I think Penix probably would have been second, third, maybe fourth round pick this year. So it's interesting he decided to come back uh, and try to up his stock to uh, to a first round uh, grade, I would imagine. Um, yeah, you mentioned the Pac-12. Number two on our list, Bo Nix at Oregon. Uh, similar path, uh, transferred, and the uh, the change of scenery really did him well. Yeah, you don't have to have a new offensive coordinator, obviously, but you've been around the college game, super experienced. I think Oregon, you know, when the top two, those are two quarterbacks when they see each other next time, Penix and Nix, it's going to be a huge game. And who would have thought that two years ago, that Oregon and Washington would have a marquee quarterback matchup with those two guys in uh, 2023? I certainly didn't. Yeah, and they went at it last year, too. Mm-hmm. And it was phenomenal. It was great. And uh, one thing, Oregon actually lost their offensive line coach this week, Adrian Clem, to the Patriots. Uh, Bill Belichick dipping into the college ranks again. Um, Clem played for the Patriots, but he was their offensive line coach for Oregon. And Knicks, despite tons and tons of passing attempts, 409 passing attempts last year, just five sacks. So we'll see uh, where Oregon goes uh, with their offensive line there, but they, they are down an assistant right now. Um, third on the list, we had Jordan Travis, Florida State. Uh, another guy, he, he's not a transfer, uh, but he had a terrific uh, season last year, and Florida State's getting a lot of offseason buzz. Yeah, I think he's the most interesting guy on this list because you watched him in spurts last year. He was unstoppable. You know, I'm just going back to the Florida game and the Oklahoma and the Bull game. Uh, maybe the best dual threat quarterback in the country, at least right on that short list and could get Florida state back. You know, there you mentioned all the composite top 25s and early top 25s. They have Florida state top five, top 10 team. And, you know, probably the team, I bet when the preseason pools come out and those, you know, ACC predictions come out, a lot of people are going to pick Florida state to win the conference and Jordan Travis is why. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had Jaden Daniels, LSU, at number four on the list. Uh, and then Sam Hartman was uh, fifth. Of course, he set all kinds of records in the ACC, four years as a starter, a lot of experience. Um, and, and, you know, Notre Dame's got two great offensive tackles back in uh, Blake Fisher and Joe Alt. They've got three experienced running backs. I mean, if they can pick the right offensive coordinator, this offense really could be in the, in the, in the 40 point range. Yeah, it's funny. I'm, you you asked the uh, Tommy Reese question, and I can't remember who LSU's quarterback was the year after Burrow right now. Um, but because Jaden Daniels and Brian Kelly's work with him is something they're paying attention to in South Bend because he's done a great job uh, developing him and, and getting his skills back in less than a year. LSU, dark horse national title contender. And Sam Hartman to Notre Dame, I mean, this was the guy I think we agreed uh, of the transfer quarterbacks, the best one this cycle. And what he does at Notre Dame is going to be under the microscope. And I think he's going to have a very successful season there. So both of those quarterbacks definitely paying attention. I think you ranked them right. Uh, Hartman has something to prove, but he's got the upside that he could be as high as number one on this list by the end of the year. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right. Well, we will leave the rest of the rest of the list. Uh, to folks to go visit sportingnews.com. Uh, before we get out of here, Trochi Trivia, we'll see if you've got the answer. So who 
was Notre Dame's starting quarterback in 2012 between Tommy Reese's sophomore season and his senior season at Notre Dame. I ruled my eyes because I, 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 I'm going to guess Everett Golson. You are correct. Yeah, Everett Golson led Notre Dame to a 12 and 0 season. Yeah, there. So they played for the, the national yeah. championship game against Alabama, and he was a, uh, you know, South Carolina. He was South Carolina kid. I was. That's kind of a cheat answer because I knew who he was from. He was in the Carolinas at the time, a high school star. I was trying to do the math of when he played there versus when he was at Florida State for the one year. So lucky get so Rees went and they went back to Tommy Rees. And I remember those conversations when Rees was the backup for Everett Golson and he, he got some time in there. Yeah, yeah, he did. And that was uh, obviously a very memorable season uh, for Notre Dame. So well, thanks again. That's our show for today. Uh, we appreciate everybody subscribing on uh, on uh, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. We got our YouTube channel at CFB Nation uh, that's been uh, cranking out. It's looking good. This the network here is really growing, and we appreciate everybody being uh, loyal listeners and being a part of it. Uh, we will be back next week. Uh, to touch on uh, whatever news and notes that are happening and whatever off-season ideas we come up with. But uh, we're not going away during the off-season as we have our our countdown to week zero, Bill. All right. Thanks so much for having us on. I appreciate it. All right. Thank you, everybody. And we will see you or listen uh, or talk at you next week at the CFP Nation All-America Podcast. Mark Chapman, welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.